message <laughs> that's been titled A Word Made Flesh, A Word Made Flesh Movement. And as we have looked in the scriptures, we looked at the first point, which was that we needed to understand the meaning of the word becoming flesh. We, we understood that when the Bible talks about the word becoming flesh, it is speaking directly of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. And when he came to this earth, he was, he was the word, he was God, with God, everything, nothing was created except by him. He comes to this earth, becomes flesh, and offers us salvation and deliverance. And we realize that when the word becomes flesh, what happens? is there is change in the atmosphere. There is a transformation because when the word becomes flesh, it is because the word of God is manifesting, the kingdom of God is manifesting, and God wants to bring change to the atmosphere. So that was our definition that we dealt with a few weeks ago. And then we also understood the second point, which was that we must endure the method of becoming one of, of becoming a word-made flesh movement. Now, if you stick with me for a moment, because there's a lot of scripture. I have so much scripture. I, have, I think I have like three more messages right here today, glory to God. So I may get through point one, but we're going to get there together. Amen. Hallelujah. And so what we realize is that the first thing is we got to understand what a word made flesh movement. Why? Because we need to know what we're asking God for and we need to know what we're looking for. Amen. Not just not just shooting in the air saying, well, you know, I want a word made flesh movement. Well, what does that mean? That means that you want to see the atmosphere change. That means that you want to see lives transformed. That means that you want to see people who are diseased being delivered. That means that you want to see people who are unsaved becoming saved. That means that you want to see marriages that are broken being restored. That means that you want to see young people who are living the vida loca, hello somebody, who are out there living how they want to live, doing their own thing. You want to see them having an encounter with Jesus that is overwhelming their life where they are no longer living crazy out there, but they're living crazy for Jesus, amen? That is what it means to have a word made flesh movement. And so we need to know what we're looking for. We need to know that because when we know what we're looking for, we won't settle for anything less. Come on, ladies. I know I got one amen up in here, but you know how, how the ladies do? You know, you, you got to find that right outfit. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know I can't get no help today, but listen, listen. You know it's true. You got to go somewhere. You'll go to 5, 10, 15, however many different stores. Because what? You know what you're looking for. Hello, somebody. Amen, amen. Come on. Can I get a witness up in here? Glory to God. You, you, you will go, you, listen, you, you, you have a closet full of clothing, right? Because, listen, you know how those clothing got in that closet, right? Because you went to 15, 20 different stores looking for that right outfit, amen, somebody? And, and, and you found the outfit, glory to God, and put it in your closet. And we thought, you know, husbands, glory to God. We thought she found the outfit, praise the name of the Lord, we good to go. Because, you know, when we find outfits, we found it, we good. We ain't over here, okay, amen, hallelujah. But I use this as an example, not, 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 listen, ladies, I love it, glory to you. You continue to look good for your husbands, amen, glory to God, say amen. Not, not just for them, but for yourself. I, can I get an amen, ladies, and amen, hallelujah, look good. Just continue to look good, amen, I don't want to offend nobody. But, um, but anyway, you, you, you just continue to look good, continue to look beautiful, you, you know, whatever. Just continue to do your thing. But the point of the matter is that you will not settle for just anything. You got to have, like, that, that right thing. And when you see it, it's like, mm, that's it, Right? You know it. You know what you're looking for. And you ain't even seen it yet. You just know what you're looking for. Hello. Right? Church, God gives us in his word clearly what we should be looking for. The word of God teaches us clearly what it is that we should be seeking after. When we're looking in his word, we should see, okay, this is what Jesus did. This is what the church did. So that means that's what we should be doing. That is what should be happening. Plain and simple. 
So word made flesh movement, we need to know what the definition. The second thing that we spoke about last week was we dealt with the fact that we need to endure the method of becoming a word made flesh movement because we can look at whatever it is that we want, and I, and I, and I use this as an example, and this can go to either gender, but, you know, you see an outfit that you want, sometimes you got to wait until you get to the right size to wear that outfit. Hello, somebody, because it just won't look right. Amen. I, 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 can get, I can get a witness on that. Hallelujah, right? Because I, I, didn't, I, I didn't say any gender. I said, you know, everybody. This is in the middle. Glory to God. But sometimes you just cannot wear that because that, that just don't look right, you know. And then, you know, and, and, then, and then if you wear it, you know you'll be looking crazy because folk be looking at you like, mm, what, what, what's wrong with that person? They done lost their mind. They, they, they need to wait a couple of weeks for that one. Hello, somebody. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> What am I saying? Well, last week we talked about something. We've got to take the right form. Amen. We've got to get into shape. We talked about how man tried to become like God in his own way, wasn't able to do it. Now man tries to make God like him, create his own God, and God says none of that stuff is going to work. So what does God do? God in the form of God comes down, takes on the form of man to do what? To elevate man to the form that he is supposed to be. And so that's what has to happen. We need to know what we're looking for, and then we need to become what God has created us to become. On our Wednesday night Bible study, and I encourage you not to miss Wednesday night Bible studies. Don't think that Wednesday nights are a waste of time. It is an awesome time to be out here. We were sitting in here and we were discussing the word of God. We're talking about the gifts of the spirit. And someone asked a very wonderful question, you know, why do I think that we don't see the miracle signs and wonders and, you know, things like that today? And I gave my answer and we won't go there again. You missed it so you can't hear it. No, I'm just joking. I, 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 I said, you know, it's because of a lack of faith. And I said, but also not just a lack of faith because it's also something else, which is a lack of hearing. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. So if we're lacking faith, then it must be a lack of hearing. So we need to be hearing the undiluted word of God that is going to increase our faith so we will step out in faith and operate according to how God wants us to operate, the bottom line. But the reason why I share that is not to point that out, but because there was an awesome testimony that was given. Brother Lewis was sharing how he walked into Norbert's store in the middle of a time of crisis. And when he was in the middle of this time of crisis, Norbert didn't know him from Adam, but Norbert just being led by the Spirit, letting the gifts of the Spirit flow through him. Norbert didn't even know. He's just walking and living this thing out. And the Scripture says, and you know, that, that, that that's what's supposed to happen. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The profit of all. The edification of the body of Christ. We know that Jesus Christ was attested unto the world as being one who was sent of God because of what? Signs and wonders. So what that means is that the Spirit of God will manifest and it will draw people unto God. It will lead people and show them who God is. And then if you're a Christian, it's going to build your faith up. Well, Brother Lewis walked into the store. He didn't know what he was just going and looking for a book. He didn't know he was going to find a miracle. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I said? He found a miracle because of what? Because he shared the testimony. He's crying. Norbert's crying. Everybody else, I wasn't crying, but you know, you know how I am. I don't cry all the time. But I was moved, you know. I was stirred in my spirit. I was crying internally, glory to God. And so everybody was moved by that. They were touched. And, you know, it just came and said, you know what? We are those miracles, church. We are those, we need to walk as those living, breathing miracles that are going to manifest in this earth and bring change to lives. You don't need to wait for the Red Sea to part. Hello, somebody. In order to say, God, no, no, you need to be that miracle. You need, to, you need to become that voice. You don't need to wait for things. You need to be the one who creates stuff, not on your own, but by letting God move through you. Amen. And so we understood that we got to endure that process. That process is not always the easiest process. And then the third thing, and this is the third point, I want you to repeat this with me. Say, we must embrace the mandate of a word-made flesh movement. 
There's a reason why I'm preaching this message. It is because it is vital for this world to see as we were singing. If I, you know, if, if I could have just left my hands there and just played and, and disconnected my brain from my hands, I would have communicated. Listen, do you hear what we are singing, church? There is no one like you. There is no one. See, we, 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 sometimes we just, okay, can we get to the next? No, no, wait a second. We need to get that in our spirit because if, there really, if he really is no one. See, for me, he really is like no one like him there is no one that can compare to him because I did everything that this world had to offer and I was still empty I did everything that this world had to offer and I still needed a void to be filled in my life and so what that means church is that there is a mandate for us to become the word made flesh movement because Jesus came to deliver people from sin he came to fill their lives with a true life not this life that this world offers to give them life that has meaning where you may not have all the money in the bank, but because you know your Savior, you are full of, so y'all ain't saying nothing, you are filled with something because you know him, because you have experienced him, and that's when we're singing that church, listen to me, God is trying to communicate, if there's no one like me, you need to share me with this world. This world needs to know him. This world needs to experience him. And so there is a mandate for this thing. The scripture that we read here, I love this scripture in the book of Romans chapter 8. He talks about the sufferings that we're going through, persecutions, difficulties. None of this stuff is, compa is, is comparable with the glory that will be revealed. There is a greater glory that we, look, we don't even know. We are, we, we are going to be amazed at the glory of God when we actually encounter him face to face. It is going to be that overwhelming experience that is just going to go on for eternity there's a lot to look forward to hello somebody but he says that there's nothing you, you you can't even compare the suffering whatever we're going through but he goes on to communicate and he said for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God the earnest expectation of the creation and I don't want to take this out of context because this this scripture here it is talking about natural earth that is what it's talking about it is talking about the trees the ground you want you want me to tell you what it's pointing to you know that disaster that happened in Haiti that is the earth groaning church that is the earth that is groaning that is crying out for God's return y'all ain't hearing me here listen to me that is what that is that 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 is that groaning that is going on these things you know all this 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 global warming and 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 look all of that stuff church that is all the earth groaning why because the earth has got a better revelation than some Christians I cannot wait to see my savior I cannot wait to see my deliverer I am making some noise because I want the redeemer to return because when he returns there will be no more global warming it will just be the glory of God all over the earth and some Christians are too busy living for tomorrow or next week and not living for eternity hello mm -hmm. church this is the earth is groaning. But you know what it goes on to say? I said it. I said it when I was praying. It says, and just like the earth is groaning, so are we. If you are a child of God, you want to know what? There is a groaning inside of you. There is something inside of you that is longing to see Jesus. Just ask yourself that question. Are you longing to see Jesus? Are you really long? You see, because I'm going to tell you where it's going to be seen. It's going to be seen in your worship for sure. If you are really groaning to see Jesus, it's going to be seen in your worship. It's going to be seen in your prayer class. Think about how you pray. Are you falling asleep on God every time you pray? Do you find yourself in a, in, in, in a time, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, I'm going to do this hour of prayer, and five minutes into it, okay, I got nothing else to pray. Do you find yourself like that? Church, hear me. 
There's nothing wrong with that if that's you. But you know what you need to do? You need to ask God, put that groaning inside. Because you know what needs to happen? What needs to happen is you need, and I ain't telling you to be late places. Hello, because I know some of us just automatically late. But here's what I'm saying. What I am saying is you should be in the presence of God. And when you're in that prayer time, that you are like, oh, my goodness, where did the time go? Hello, somebody. You see, when you are having that type of relationship, you know why that is? Because there is a groaning that is going on inside of you. There is something inside of your spirit. And you know what the Bible also goes on to say? It says that the earth is groaning. It says that we are groaning. And you know what it says? It says the spirit is groaning. Hello. So the spirit, you know what happens? You want to know why? Because you're groaning, and then and you know what, what, what begins to happen? Because inside you there's something going on. Now when you get into your prayer time, all of a sudden the spirit begins to move, and now you're both groaning together, crying out. And it doesn't mean you're making some crazy noises. Hello. That is not what that groaning means necessarily. It means that there is something that is going on inside of you. There is something that is moving on the inside of you. It's not just emotion. It's not just words. It's not just a prayer that you learned in Sunday school. No, it is something that is deeper, something that you cannot control that is leading you. And so when you come out, you're not looking at five. Like, man, I, got, I, got, I only got five minutes. And, and, and you know, I, I've had those. I don't have them every time. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to get it twisted. Every time that I'm in the presence of God, it's not the same way. There are those moments that it is difficult, church. And, and I share this because I don't want you to get the wrong picture. I don't want you to think that Bishop is saying that if every time you get down and pray, you're not overflowing and crying and weeping, that you don't have a relationship with God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying if you go in there and you need five minutes with him and, and, and you know, after five minutes you don't know how to pray. I'm not even saying that you don't have a relationship with him then. What I'm saying is you're lacking groaning, church. Because there's sometimes that, you know what, I get into the prayer room and I just sit there and, you know what, I don't, I, I, nothing comes out. And, I, and you know what I do? I say, okay, God, this is your time, so do what you want to do. And him and I just enter into worship, might enter into some meditation on the word of God. But the point of the matter is that there are those times, church, that we've got to have that in our lives. And you know what? It can't just be that I had it one day. Listen, is it something that is occurring? Is there something drawing you into the presence of God? Because the earth is groaning, the spirit is groaning, but is the church groaning? When the church begins to groan, things begin to happen, church. When the body of Christ begins to groan and begins to be moved in its spirit and in its heart, something begins to happen because of what? Because they begin to usher in the kingdom. Because they begin to birth revival. They begin to pray over lost people like they never have before. They begin to see situations on the news from a different perspective. It's not just that, oh my goodness, I bendito. No, no, no. It is something stirs inside of you. Something moves inside of your spirit when we are groaning. And that is the place that we We've got to come to because there is a need for this word made flesh movement. Well, now the scripture here tells us that the earth is groaning. But, you know, there's something else that we've got to realize. And it is that we see some things going on in the earth with the people that are in the earth. And it's not necessarily that they are groaning, but they are demonstrating something. In their murders, in their rape, in their sexual immorality, in their, in their abuse, in their violence, in divorce. All the, you know what all of that is, church? All of that is a cry of a people who are in bondage. Did you hear me? All of that is a cry of people who are in bondage to sin. They do not know God. Therefore, it is our responsibility to do one of two things. Well, we, our responsibility to do one thing, but we have a choice in the matter. It is our responsibility to align ourselves with God and to be that voice of healing, to be that voice of deliverance, to be that life that shines brightly in the midst of this dark earth, no matter who it offends. Hello. 
We have a responsibility, but you know what? We also have rights because God is wonderful like that. And he says, you know what, church? You can do what you want to do. You can either rise up and become what I've called you to be and created to be, or you can just sit down and just be like, that's for someone else to do. Church, we're being called to be a word-made flesh movement in the days in which we live. God is calling his church to rise up. And so I want you to turn from here, please, to the book of John chapter 15 and verse 1. There's two book, books back there. The book of John chapter 15 and beginning in verse 1. When you got to say so, in the book of John chapter 15, verse 1, it says like this, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I, I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By, my by, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Continuing on in verse 9, he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I has kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So Jesus is here communicating and he is giving us what is necessary before we are going to see the demonstration of his kingdom, the demonstration of his glory. And this morning, the message is entitled, From Dwelling to Demonstration. And it is because the demonstration of God's glory will always be preceded by us dwelling in intimacy with him. The revelation, the demonstration of God's glory in this earth will always be preceded by intimate dwelling with him. By us dwelling with him intimately. By us seeking his face. By us being in relationship because he has chosen his church to manifest his presence, his power, and his purpose through. Somebody say amen. He has chosen us. He has chosen you and I. If you have said, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Savior. If you have said that, if you have made that a declaration, then you know what? You have a responsibility to make good on that declaration. You should become something greater than what you were the moment that you made that declaration. Amen? So here's the thing, and please repeat this after me. Abiding is only possible by invitation and response. 
You see, the difference between a declaration of faith in God and a demonstration of faith in God is where and with whom you are abiding. See, the difference between someone saying, I'm a Christian, and someone living, I'm a Christian, is where you're dwelling. It is where you are abiding. It is where you are, church, with him. Are you you abiding in his presence? Are you dwelling with him? Are you intimately connected to him? Because if you are, then there is, listen, it's not even something. I want you to understand what Jesus said. Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. In the Bible, there are three vines that are spoken of in the scriptures. The first vine that is talked about is in the Old Testament, and it is Israel. And the people of Israel as being the way to God, the way to salvation. That's what it is. That is what Israel is because they were the ones that knew the one true God because of Abraham. So they were the first vine. The book of Revelation talks about another vine, and it is a future vine. And what it is is talking about the vine of the earth, and that is this world system. Those are the two vines that, that, that the scriptures speak of in the past and in the future. The present vine is the one that we're talking about. And that is Jesus. And he says to them, he says, I am the true vine. In other words, when he says that word true, he's saying, I am the genuine. I am the real deal. I am really what all humanity has been looking for. I am what is going to allow them to have life. I am not just a vine. I am the true vine. I am the true source. The vine of this world, the vine of the earth that is going to experience the wrath of God. When you read it in the book of Revelation, you want to know what happened? Well, what, what happens there is they receive the wrath of God because they are living according to their own ways. But you want to know where they get all of their knowledge, all of their wisdom. You know where they get everything from? They get it from God. Hello, somebody. Everything that we see in Israel, in the Old Testament, everything that we see there, you know where they got it from? They got it from God Almighty. And guess what? Jesus is the Word. He is God. And so everything comes from Him. And so He is saying to them, I am the true vine. So here's why this is important for us. Because you may be sitting in here, you're looking for answers, you're looking for life, you're looking for purpose, and guess what? He is the true vine. He is the true source. He is the one that is going to give you the life. He's going to give you the answers. He's going to give you the direction. He's going to give you all that you need. He is the true source. The real source. There's no other source outside of him. When he's talking about himself being the vine, he is saying that I am the root. I am the source of what? I'm the source of everything in your life if you're a child of God. I'm the source of everything in your life. I'm the source of every good thing. Not not, not the bad stuff. The Bible says that every good gift comes down from the Father who is in heaven. Amen? Amen. And so we know that the good, those things that are there, those are the things that are him in our lives. And sometimes he allows this negative stuff to get our attention so we can get to the good stuff. Hello. Mm-hmm. Jesus is communicating. He's saying, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And see, here's the thing, church. I, mean, I, I, I just want to take a real quick survey. I need you to be real bold, okay? When I ask this question, I need your hand to go up if this is you. If you are a person, we boldness here. If you are a person who wants to fail, raise your hand. Come on, I need some boldness up in here. You are just determined to fail. That is what you can, I I can't get one hand up in here. Glory to God, praise the Lord. So that means that when I ask this other question, every hand is going to go up. How many of y'all in here want to succeed? Glory to God, we got a good church. They want the right things, praise the Lord. You can put them hands down, hallelujah. So we have a 100% consensus in this place that everybody in here wants to succeed in life. Can I get an amen on that? 
So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I am going to, I, I'm going to conclude. I'm going to conclude. This is my conclusion, okay, because of my survey that I just did, all right? Glory to God. I, I, I'm going to conclude that you represent at least 99.9% .9 of our population, right? And therefore, that means that 99% of our population wants to succeed. Now, they may have given up, right? That, that, that's why I leave like that 1% because there may be one person that's crazy up in here. Hello, somebody. But everybody that I've ever met, when you were a kid, you weren't thinking about, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be a bum, yo. <laughs> when I grow up, I, no, no child that I know has ever driven down the block, seen someone homeless in a box and said, that is my future. <laughs> that is my goal. Nobody has ever said that. And I, and I don't say that to be flip. I, I, don't, I don't say that to be insensitive. I'm trying to drive home the point here. And it is that nobody in their right mind wants to fail, right? You know what is awesome? Is that God does not want anyone to fail either. Did you hear me? He has given us, this, this is so awesome. He has given us the foolproof one. Th th listen, this is not no money back guarantee. Listen to me, y'all. He is not even worried about all that stuff. He has given you the 100% lifetime guarantee. No fine print. That if you will abide in him, you are guaranteed success. Isn't that awesome? Is, is, is our God not good, church? He gives, and this, this is, remember what I said, abiding is by invitation and response. There is an open invitation. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. He doesn't will that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of who he is. Makes it clear. It's an open invitation to everyone. Everybody who goes before God in eternity is going to be there for one of two reasons. It is to be judged to go to hell, or it is to be judged to enter into heaven and to receive rewards. Bottom line, there's just two groups. That's all that it is. There ain't no three groups. Hello. One group that's kind of in the middle. It, 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 that group does not exist. They might try to stand in the middle, but God is going to be like, right over here, to the left. It's reality, church. Two groups of people. We're going to be rewarded. And you know why? And you want to know what, 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 what the bottom line is going to be? It's going to be because you rejected his invitation. Hear me? Because you rejected his invitation. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit comes into the world to convict the world of sin. What is the sin that they are convicted of? Because they do not believe in him. Because they have rejected him. The greatest sin that anybody ever commits is not believing in Jesus, is rejecting his offer of salvation. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the beauty of this now. The beauty of this, church, is that everybody in here agreed that we all want to succeed. Everyone in here agreed with that. The word of God agrees that God wants everybody to succeed. But you know what the issue is? The issue is we want to circumvent his process and literally deny his provision. Did you hear me? We want to circumvent the process and deny his provision. In other words, say, you know what? I'm going to do it on my own. How, how, how is it that we reject him? How is it that, we, well, you know, I don't need you. Is that not rejection? Oh, I, I, I don't need you to have a good marriage. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but so, I don't care. You know why? Because they took some principles from your Bible. Hello, somebody. So, you know what? Whether they acknowledge him, they needed him. Hello? Because any good gift, any good gift, say it with me, any good gift comes down from the Father. Amen? 
oh, I, I, I don't need him to, 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 to be rich. Listen, you shouldn't be running after riches anyway. Hello, somebody. I, I don't need him to be successful. Yes, you do. Anything that is successful, listen, and, and, and when I say this, please hear me. I'm not saying the negative stuff. There is perverted stuff that is out there that the, the, the success of it. And, and I, you know what? I'm going to say it like this. Hello, somebody. My goodness. Even with the negative stuff, if you take a drug dealer that is going to be successful, he took some principles from your Bible. Did you hear me? Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. How is that possible, Bishop? Well, he learned that he needs to invest. He needs to separate. This, this goes here. That goes. We're going to do this like this. He learned some principles that are there that's just dealing with finance. That's all it is. You, you, you take somebody who will, who will be out there in the world who knows. They say it all the time. The best businessmen are going to be those people who were successful, not the unsuccessful. Hello. The successful people. And, and oh, hold on a second. Back, let me back up. Let me pause. Pause button because I'm not telling no one to go sell drugs. Hello, somebody. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not encouraging this, okay? I'm not saying this is good. This is not good. Amen, somebody? This is not what I'm, what I'm saying is that their success came from principles. Now, they didn't, they didn't sit down and read the Bible and say, hey, let me look at what, you know, the Bible says about. No, they, they didn't do all of that. But their principles that they got on investment. So here's the point, church, that God says, I want you to be successful. You want to be successful, but you've got to make the choice. Are you going to be successful for yourself? Here's the thing. Or are you going to be successful for the kingdom? There's a difference. See, because I can be out there and I can be successful in business and never give God any real glory. Did you hear what I just said? And I'm not successful for the right reasons. I'm successful for the wrong reasons. And so it's important that we look at what Jesus is saying because he's saying, I mean, Jesus makes some pretty powerful statements here about the need for us to abide in the vine. See, here's the problem. The problem is that we don't want to do it Jesus' way totally. We want to do it our way. We want to, we, 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 we want to have all the good, but we don't want to have the sacrifice. See, if you read the scripture there in the book of Romans chapter 8, he talks about the present suffering are not to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. That's what the scripture said, right? But if you go back up a couple of verses, he talks about, you know, and, our, and, and the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children of God, we are heirs of God. And if we are heirs of God, then we are going to partake of the same glory as long as we participate in suffering. Did you hear that, church? Everybody wants the glory. Everybody wants the blessing. But nobody wants to pay the price. Nobody wants to pay the price. Nobody wants to lay down their life to take up their cross so that way God can be glorified in them. I want everything that God offers. I want all the good stuff, but I don't want all that religion. Hello. I want all the good stuff, but I don't want to have to go to church, you know, three times a week. Hello, I don't want all that. I, I, I want all the good stuff, but I don't want to have to give no money to the tithes and the offerings. I, I, I don't want to support. I want all the good stuff, but I don't want to treat my spouse the way that the Bible says. Hello, somebody. I, I, I want all the good stuff, but I don't want to parent my children the way the. No, 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 hold on a second, church. You want all the good stuff. You got to start doing things the right way. And sometimes the right way is against what we want. Hello. Sometimes the right way isn't the way daddy taught me. Hello. Sometimes the right way isn't the way that my uncle showed me. Hello. Sometimes the right way isn't the way that my friends are telling me. It isn't the way that my coworkers are showing me. Sometimes the right way is not that. So we've got to go to who? The only way, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you and I, church, 
will commit to fully dwelling in his love, obeying his commandments, and following his leadership. Our lives will bear his fruit. What does abiding in Christ mean? And I just want to touch on the abiding today. Abiding in Christ is remaining in him at all times so that way in all things he is seen in us. That's what abiding is. It is that in the good times, I am walking with him. In the bad times, I am walking with him. In the times that are not good nor bad, they're just in between, I am walking with him because I am going to make sure that he is seen in my life. And so how do we know? Because this is a question that I want to answer this morning and that I think that a lot of people may have. And it is that how do I know? How can you know if you are abiding in Christ or not? How is it that you can know? Because I want to make sure that you leave here with some practical application in your life and a way to really measure if you are abiding in him or not. And this is what the scripture says that we just read. The first thing that is clear evidence because it's not a feeling. Because you know what? I don't always feel like I'm abiding in Christ. I don't always feel you know, his presence overshadowing me. That doesn't happen all the time. And so some of you have had those experiences where you feel God. You'll be in a store. You'll be driving. You'll be somewhere, you know, be in your house walking around, and you're not in a prayer time, and the presence of God comes and overshadows you, and God begins to embrace you and love on you, and that's awesome. But you know, like I know, that is not every moment of your life. That is not every second of your life that you feel that stuff. So abiding in him is not about feelings. What do these scriptures teach us? about the abiding process. How can I measure this? Well, you can measure this and you can know because there is an evidence, and this evidence is what I call primary fruitfulness. It's primary fruitfulness. What do you mean by that? Because next week we'll talk about more of being fruitful and we'll talk about the pruning and everything like that. But this week I want to talk about the primary fruitfulness. Why do I say that? Because it is found in this chapter that we are reading. It is found in the exact words of Jesus and the message that he was preaching at that particular moment when he was communicating the word of God. He was saying these are the things that we would be able to know if we were abiding in him or not. So what's the first thing? The first thing is that if you are abiding in Christ, you will bear fruit. Look at verse 2 with me. Verse 2 says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Look at verse 8 over here. It says, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples and in verse 16 it says you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give to you and so it's crystal clear if you are abiding in Christ if you are in a relationship with Christ, that relationship is a living relationship. And because it is a living relationship, there is some fruit that we're going to define next week that should be coming out of your life. There is some fruit that should be manifesting in your life. There are some things that should be evident within your life. The second thing that should be happening or the second evidence that should be coming to pass is that we are going to be pruned by the Father. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. It says, I am the 
true vine. And what is my father? My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and, and throw them into the fire and they are burned. And so notice that when we read this here, he talks about his father being the vine dresser. And the father is intimately involved with the dead sticks as well as the living ones. Hello. The father is involved with it all. He's involved with the living. He's involved, he's involved with everything. He's touching everyone. And so he's saying, okay, you belong here, and I'm going to help you to grow. Or you're not, and I'm going to cast you out, and that's what's going to happen. This is what the scriptures teach. And so if you're abiding in him, that means you have a relationship. Say relationship. There is an intimate relationship with the Father. There is personal dealing of the Father in your life. And the third thing that we know that if we are, if we are abiding in him is that we will be effective in prayer. Does anybody want to be effective in prayer? Raise your hand if you want to be effective in prayer. Glory to God. Meaning that you want answered prayer. And, and when I say answered prayer, I don't mean just answered prayer, yay, nay, or maybe, no. I mean answered prayer, yes, to every prayer. How many of y'all want prayer, yes, yes, yes answers to every prayer you pray? Raise that hand up in there, glory to God. You can be honest because I'm going to raise both my hands and do a backflip if I could because I want every one of my prayers to be answered by the affirmative. Hello. I want every prayer that I pray to be, yes, son. That, 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 that's what I want. I want every prayer that I pray to, and you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, you can have this. Don't take my word for it. Glory to God. Let's look at the Bible because it, this, the, 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 these, these are the couple of scriptures that I want to focus on here. Be effective in prayer. Look at verse 7. It says here, if you abide in me, conditional, right, my, and my words abide in you, so that if, it connects both of these statements. If you abide in me, and you could say it, and if my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Isn't that an awesome promise? Amen? Y'all can get excited, glory to God. That's an awesome promise from your God. Let's look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Awesome promises. We can have what we ask. But can we look at the scriptures? We, I, I, I want to make sure we look at the scriptures together so that way we're not going crazy, asking God for all kind of craziness. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. Look at chapter 14 and verse 3. One chapter back. Sorry, verse 13, not, it's, it's chapter 14, verse 13. We'll start in verse 12. Most assuredly, now this is awesome. He's, he's starting this thing off with most, he's saying this is, this is for real right here. That's what he's saying. If, if it was a translation, if it was my translation of the Bible, it would say this is the real deal. Right? This is the real deal. Most assuredly, so from now on when you see most assuredly in your Bible, you will hear this is the real deal. All right, here we go. Most assuredly, this is the real deal. <laughs> you heard that? Did you hear? Man, y'all got that in your spirit quick. Glory to God, that still small voice speaking to you. <laughs> Most assuredly, <laughs> I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. 
and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Y'all just got to get stirred up, glory to God. I mean, these are some serious promises here. He's saying anything, everything you ask in my name, it sh- he said he's going to do it because it glorifies the Father. I'm not done clarifying. Let's go to chapter 16 and verse 23. And he says, and in that day, you will ask me nothing, most assuredly. Y'all heard it. I know y'all heard it right there. You heard it. Uh-huh. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever. So everything, anything, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Hold on a second now. Pastor Robert is a teacher in this church, a highly respected man of God. Now, everything, anything, and everything, those are all like all-inclusive words, amen? Correct, praise the Lord. Pastor Chad, do you agree with that? Another man of God, very well studious, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Everybody else, y'all agree, just English, y'all know English, right? Glory to God. Everything, <laughs> you ain't got to be all deep in the word. You ain't got to be a pastor to give me a witness, okay? We got Dr. Mia. Is, is, is it good? Good? Everything, every, 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 all inclusive, all inclusive. Glory to God. We got doctors, everybody up in here just giving me a witness that I am not wrong in my interpretation of these words. Amen, amen, amen. And she's a graduate. She just graduated college, glory to God. So I got college graduates, doctors, pastors. I got it all, glory to God. Giving me a witness, so I know that I am not led astray in this. Hallelujah. Okay, so we understand that he has given us, basically, basically, I'm, I'm going to say this basic. Basically, he's given us a blank check saying, here, yo, just, just, and my name is already signed on it. The date is infinite, and you can cash it over and over again. Did you hear me? Is, is, is that not, all, that, that's exciting, right? See, y'all, y'all ain't getting excited because you know that I'm setting you up, glory to God. Listen, it's not a setup. I'm just trying, I'm trying to encourage you that if you want success, it's there for you. If you want answered prayer, it's there for you. But you have got to live according to his standards, abiding in him, so you can have the success that he wills for you. And you have to be abiding in him and abiding in his word in order to have every one of your prayers answered. Why? Because when you are abiding in his word, his word is abiding in you, and therefore his word will control and will determine what it is you are asking for. Did you hear me, church? Hear me. When we are abiding in his word, the reason why he says anything is because he's saying, if you're living in me, You ain't going to ask for anything that's outside of my word. And and, and you're not going to be asking in my name craziness. Just imagine this prayer right here. Father God, I saw that secretary. She was looking good. I know she's married. I know I'm married, but can you please open the door of opportunity for me to speak to her in, in the name of Jesus? Does that make sense? No, it don't make no sense. That is not God. That is not anywhere within the the, the vicinity of his will. Hello, somebody. And so the point is, here's here's, here's what you got to ask yourself. 
am I asking something in the name of Jesus that I can really put in the name of Jesus next to? Am I asking something? Father, you know my husband. He has this life insurance policy. And you know, I'll be happy just you and me together. I'll sow half of this policy into your kingdom. In Jesus, does that sound like God? Send me to heaven. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I love you, girl. I would never listen. Hold on a second. Listen, 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 listen. That is crazy, church. That is crazy. And here's the problem. This is the reason why we are hearing no all the time. Because we pray in craziness. Did you hear me? And look, I, I, I drove those points like way out of proportion. I know that nobody, well, you know what? I can't even say that. I cannot even say that because there are some crazy folks up in the, listen, I'm just letting you know, I, 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 we, got, we got to keep it real. I, I've, heard, I've heard some crazy testimonies, you know? I, I mean, just stuff that's just crazy. But you know what? You know, you know why it's crazy? It's because it didn't come from the true vine. See, when it comes from him, only what he gives comes through. So what happens is, because I am abiding in him, my prayers are being answered because I'm doing what? I'm praying according to the will of God. I'm praying according to the will of God for my life. I am asking according to the will of God. When it has to do with a job, when it has to do with a home, when it has to do with, if you're not married, marriage, when it has to do with decisions that you've got to make within your house. Every single thing is not written out in the Bible. The Bible, the scriptures didn't say, you know, to me and my wife, okay, send Alexis to private school. That isn't what the scriptures said. And, and, and to be honest with you, before we had Alexis and we talked about it, we, we figured, man, we live in a good neighborhood. We can send her to these, these schools are good schools. There's nothing wrong with these schools. And you know what? When we had her, we were just like, I don't know, we just... God provided the finances for it, so we were able to do it. If God didn't provide the finances, then you wouldn't be able. But he did, and I said, well, you know what? I could, yeah, I could drive a new car every year. Hello, somebody. Glory to God with that, into, that, that tuition. Hallelujah. But, but, Alexis, hallelujah. <laughs> so the point of the matter is, am I wrong for sending my daughter to private school? No. Are you wrong for sending your child to public school? You know what's important? It's important that you are praying for your children no matter where they are. Hello, somebody. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing there. You need to be praying for them no matter where they are. You need to be even, even, even equally important, because it's not more important than praying, but equally important to praying for them, you need to be living righteously before them. You need to be the living, because it does not matter where they are. If you are not the example if you are not taking time to instill godliness in them, you know what? They're not going to gain it no matter where they are, church. Hello? Because you know what? And, 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 and again, I'm not saying every kid because you know what? There is that, 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 you know, that, that certain percentage that they have an encounter, you know, with God and then they just whatever. But you know what? Most of these kids, I was one of them when I was young. I was watching my family act crazy, you know, living that Vila Loca, you know that? Yeah, uh-huh. I was watching them, and you know what? Young kid, you know, when you're a kid, you don't want to do that stuff. I, and it wasn't like I was, like, all in church. I mean, I went to church, but it wasn't like I really remember, you know, about holiness or anything like that. Not like someone was preaching that. Okay. You know what happened? I was growing up, and I'm like, man, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. You know what? When I turned about 12, 13, all of a sudden, I was doing everything I said I was never going to do. Why? Because of the example that was there in my home. 
And so, church, it's our responsibility to make sure that we want answered prayer, that we're abiding in the word of God, that we are meditating upon the word of God. And then you know what will happen when we have to make those decisions that are not written out in the scriptures? The spirit that groans, you know, the spirit that groans and utters things that we don't. The spirit will begin to pray through us because of what? Because we are abiding in the presence and in the word of God. And so his will will come out and we will walk it out and we will work it out. Amen? So we have promises. The, the, the other thing here that, 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 that is proof. Now, this is just proof that you are abiding in him. Remember, we talked about bearing fruit, which we'll define next week, and, and, and being pruned by the Father in relationship, defining that one next week. We talked about right now being effective in prayer. If you are being effective in prayer and you are praying and you are seeing your prayers answered that are aligning with the will of God, then you know what happens? You know that you are abiding in the vine because that is part of abiding in the vine, abiding in Christ. The fourth thing here that we find in this scripture, look at verse 9 through verse 10 with me, please. Chapter 15, it says, as the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now skip down to verse 12 with me, to verse 15. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. And so you're going to grow in your fruitfulness. You're going to grow in your relationship. You're going to grow in your effectiveness in prayer, and you will grow in Christ's love. You will grow in your love from him. You will grow in your love for him, and you will grow in your love towards others. So there's the question. Are you growing in your revelation and in your understanding of God's love? Not just because you hear it, but because you are experiencing it, church. You should be experiencing the love of God. You should be experiencing a living, vibrant relationship. You do not have some God that is sitting up cosmos away and that does not engage with you. You are living, you, you, you are in a relationship with a God who says he wants to come and dwell. He is inviting you to abide. Abide means to dwell, to remain in, to be with him. So he's saying, I want you to be with me. I want you to have intimacy with me. So the first question is, are you growing in that love with him are you growing in the understanding are you growing in the experience of knowing his love and then the other question is are you growing in your love for him how do I know that well let's see when you first came to him you probably loved some things that weren't the best for you right and as you continue to grow in the revelation of his love, something should have began to happen that you started to dislike those things because you knew it was taking away from your relationship with him. Are you getting something here, church? So this is how you know you are growing in your love for him because you no longer love, you no longer like, you no longer want to participate in those same things because they detract from your love with him. Now, if you're growing in the opposite direction, you're just running after the things of this world. You're just loving everything. And no, I, I'm going to tell you right, you ain't growing in your love for him. It's not happening. And then the last one there is we will be growing in our love for others. Are you growing in your love for your brothers? 
Are you making it a point to get to know your other brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you growing in your love for the lost? In other words, are you finding yourself more concerned about the eternal destination of others? Is that happening? In, if that's not happening inside of you, you need to question yourself, church, because the more you grow in love with him, it is only the product of you being in intimacy with him. And every time that you or I enter into the presence of God, we enter into an eternal realm. We enter into a realm that has no time in it. We, we enter into a realm that is beyond all of our understanding. And you know what happens? As we begin to taste eternity, we also get an understanding that other people are not tasting that eternity. Other people are not experiencing that. But everybody, no matter whether they're experiencing that or not, when they go across the line from life to death, they will either spend eternity with God or they will spend eternity separated from God in hell. That is a scary thing. And when you are growing in your love for God and you are growing in, 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 in the revelation of his love for you, you know what happens? Your love for others begins to grow. So is your love for others growing? And if it's not, you better check yourself because you may not be abiding. And the last thing in verse 11, and I'm getting ready to close with this. He says this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. Are you growing in joy, church? That doesn't mean you're going to walk around with a I mean, you know, some people, they just naturally smile. That's just not me. I don't know. I used to feel condemned. I, I, honestly, I used to sit down, and when they would talk about joy, I'd be like, man, I'm like a sourpuss or something. Man. I'm like horrible. I'm just bad. You know, I'm like, you know, I just messed up. You know, I, I, I didn't have that. It just didn't come. I smile, but, you know, I just walk around. Hey, how are you? God bless you. How are you doing? <laughs> Some people, that's just them, and that's cool because it's natural. They, you know, but listen to me. Do you have joy, church? <laughs> Do you have joy? I mean, are, 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 you, are, are, you, are you experiencing something that is unspeakable inside of you? I mean, is there something going on in you that you are, you know what, you may not have that smile on your face all the time, but, man, you know there is just something inside of you that's got a smile. Hello. There is something inside of you that is just excited about who God is. That's what he said. He said, I spoke all of these things. I told you all of this. He's telling his disciples, I told you all of this so that you would have my joy and that your joy would be full. Because you know what he was saying? He's saying, look at this. You have a joy, but that joy is not full. You have a joy. You have a, a happiness that comes. Oh, you get that paycheck? Mm, sometimes. Sometimes it's like more depression. But listen. Anyway, anyway, glory to God. Need some answered prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Praying according to his will. Living according to his will. But listen, he's saying, disciples, you have a joy. You, you, you have a certain joy. You have a certain satisfaction in life. But that joy is not full apart from me. See, because you need to have a joy that goes beyond everything else in this world. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day. As him and I were sharing, we were sitting down and we were, and we were discussing one of, one of my favorite scriptures. And I've spoken on this scripture tons of times. And I, and I, I believe it, it may be um, Psalm 37 or something like that. It's, it's, it's in one of the Psalms. I can't remember exactly where. But I believe it's Psalm, it might be Psalm 37. And, and it says here, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And, you know, and, and I've spoken on this scripture and I'm like, you know, we were sharing. And as I was sitting there, and this just shows you how God begins to give you more revelation the more you meditate on his word. 
Meditation has to do with communicating. It means to mumble. It means to sit there. And under your breath, you know, you talking to God and repeating his word. That's what meditation is. You ain't crazy. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm talking about seriously. That's what the, when you look up the word meditation, that's what it means. So him and I are talking about the scripture. And we all understand that the scripture, we should, because I've said this a bunch of times, and I've heard other people say this as well. And so the fact of the matter is, the reason why you delight in him, right, is because when you're delighting in him, he changes your desires. He gives you the things that he desires, so that's the reason why you will get the desires of your heart, because your desires begin to align with him. Powerful, amen? But here's the thing. This is what the Lord began to show me there. He said, the reason why you have to delight in him, because if your desires are removed, your delight is not. But when you are living for your desires and those desires go, so does your life. Listen, what am I saying? When you are delighting in him, when he is your everything, I'm not telling you that it's not going to hurt when you lose stuff because it's going to hurt, but you haven't lost your source. You haven't lost your source of life. And the problem with many of us, even Christians, that you know what? We have this life that comes into us when we get answered prayer that's yes, and we get things that we want, and we get promotions, and we get increases, and we get all these doors. We, we get this thing. But you know what? When all of that stuff is removed, do you still have your delight? When all of those things are taken away, do you still have the most vital thing? And that's him. That's the question for all of us, church. Are you abiding in him? Come on, let's all stand to our feet and bow your heads for